Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DePietro. This is a show dedicated to our friends and neighbors who are building strong and sustainable communities each and every day. On this episode, I am proud to welcome Barkev Masrelian from Merch Motel. Barkev is a Pasadena native who has always found a home in the world of design and architecture. After high school, he attended the Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles and earned his BFA in toy design. Putting his skills to work, Barkev worked for such companies as Jack's Pacific, Hasbro, and the Walt Disney Company. But he has always been drawn to historic places and signs. They are an art form in their own right and represented a different time that he felt connected to. Barkev then turned his passion into Merch Motel, a growing brand where you can purchase recreations of famous signs and places. Listen to his conversations with interesting guests on Merch Motel Radio, his podcast, and watch his wonderfully produced videos on YouTube. So, without further delay, my conversation with Barkev from Merch Motel. Barkev, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited. Followed you for quite a while now, and I'm always fascinated about the projects that you're into and the trouble you get into with all the different things you're doing all over the country. So I thought to get uh-huh. us started, can you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I am obsessed with vintage signage and architecture. I document them as much as I can. I've always been really into design. I've lived in Los Angeles County my whole life, pretty much. So I've seen a lot of change here, even before I would really focus on it. You can see the evolution of things constantly changing around here. But yeah, and then I create products. I work with historic businesses. We're probably going to get into all that stuff. I introduced myself as like a nerd for like old signs and buildings. So based on your interests in design and art, who are some early mentors of you that were especially important? And these could be family or academic or artistic. That's a good question because I feel like I do not have a specific person or people who have been like a mentor. I feel like it's just been throughout my life. For example, when I go places and I, I check out a, a cool business or something and I just talk to a random person there and they'll tell me about stories growing up in this business or I'll talk to a business owner or people who have been in the design world when I was younger. It's just been everything as I grew up. All these people hearing their stories and listening to what they have to say, I feel like is what inspired me. It's surprisingly not, no one specifically comes to mind. Drawn to all these people who have these cool passions and interests and I tend to surround myself with creative people too. So my friends throughout my life too have always just constantly inspired me and it's just been like a back and forth thing. So where in Los Angeles did you grow up? Pasadena. So you're from here. So I grew up in Griffith Park, so not too far. And so I was always always fascinated by Pasadena as a visitor and I live Mm. here now. It's the best. I tell everyone come to Pasadena. It's so cool. (laughs) So you attended the Otis College of Art and Design in Los Angeles and earned your BFA in toy design. So did you always want to get into design and why focus on toys? One thing I want to say that's really fun about Otis College is the building is actually has interesting history to it. So here I am going on a tangent, but I have to mention it. It's actually, it was originally IBM headquarters. The building, if you look at it, a lot of people are like, it looks so lame and they make jokes like it looks like a prison because it's just like a concrete cube with holes in it. But it's inspired by old telephone 
cards, when they would get punched out, they have these specific holes and patterns. So the building itself is meant to look like that, which is pretty cool. But I've always been into art and design my whole life. And I knew growing up, I wanted to do something with it, but I never knew what exactly. And you know how it is growing up, it's always like you don't want to go into arts. It's not anyone, no one specifically told me that, but it was always like something that people always talk about. But I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I was like, I know I wanted to design of some sort. And at one point I was actually considering going into architecture. And while I was trying to figure all that out, I also liked set design. And I also didn't know all the different categories and forms of design and like all the worlds of design that you could enter, especially when I was younger, I didn't know. People don't think there's a package designer when you're a kid, you learn that later on. But then I had narrowed it down to some sort of product design. And I learned that toy design is a field and i was like that is the weirdest coolest thing and what's really fun about toys is they're like they can be related to the real world but they're super fun if you're like we live in now a lot of stuff have become so boring colors design everything has become so bland not everything but majority of things and in toys you can have a hot pink house with neon chairs neon yellow chairs it's so fun So it doesn't have to be practical and it doesn't have to be like visually aesthetic as some people would say. But to me, that is a fun visual aesthetic. So it was cool to, it's cool to dive into the world of toys and create something that you wouldn't see in the real world, even though it's inspired by the real world. I think that was just a huge factor into it. What's interesting, I saw an article recently about Legos and my son is obsessed with them. And I was when I was a kid too, but it went from five colors when they started out to now over 200 colors. It just kind of shows you the evolution of just this one little block over the course of its history and how it's changed. Yes. It's very cool. So there are things that are kind of challenging and and I love the evolution. They have sets for adults, like 18 plus adults. And so Mm -hmm. there's so much you can do with toys. It's it's not just like your Mm -hmm. Barbie dolls, even though Barbie's having resurgence for obvious reasons, but (laughs) it's not just a Barbie doll and like a Tonka truck. There's so much Mm -hmm. more to it. Yeah, because you can go from like simple play all the way to like collector high end products. And that was something that I also loved. I was also into collector items and I always loved the vintage toys, all that stuff. And something that's really fun about toy design is that it's like product design, graphic design. You could mix packaging with the play of the toy. So it's all these different things combined into one. It was just it was a really cool idea when I thought of it. And I really enjoyed working in the toy industry. So you worked for Hasbro and Disney and a couple other places. Were there any projects that you were especially proud of? So yes, I worked at Hasbro and Disney and did a lot of fun stuff there. A lot of designs you don't get released, so you can't really talk about them. But one thing that's fun about toy design, and I guess being a toy designer, I also worked on like souvenirs too, so not necessarily toys. So there was one item that comes to mind. It's something that I worked on a few years ago. So maybe because it's most recent, it comes to mind. But it was like a calendar you put on your desk. And every month you could switch out the month and the, the numbers. And I wanted to make it really fun. So it was inspired by It's a Small World. If you saw that sort of, I guess, like at home goods, it would be a block calendar. But it was fun working for it with Disney because I got to make it really whimsical. So you can see the toy element in this like home goods type of item. So that was something that was really fun. It was like the facade of Small World and then it had the colors and the typography of the let, uh, the numbers and the letters. So it was like a fun little whimsical accessory you can put on your desk. I guess that was something that I'm like most excited about. I can't imagine 
designing something like on a computer and then actually going to a store and seeing that. That must be mm-hmm. such a cool feeling to say, oh, yeah, I designed that or I worked on that project. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parks. It was fun because I would go to Target and see a toy there. And then I would go to the theme parks and see products there, too. It was always really fun. And I'm <laughs> always such a nerd. I'll tell my friend, can you take a picture of me? And <laughs> I'll the peace sign next to the toy I designed or something. I don't know. It's fun. And then people I know who have kids, I like to give the toys to them to play with. And they think it's super cool because they'll know I worked on it. So yeah, it's always really exciting to see kids play with it, adults collect it, and also to just see it in stores on shelves. So I think that merges really well into our next topic, which is Merch Motel, which is a a brand that you launched that focuses on historic science and architecture, and that complements your love and skills as a designer. And it started out as a hobby and has become so much more. It's become your life. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's consumed my brain. <laughs> Out of all of things that you can focus on, why signs? Because you've described yourself as a sign nerd. I guess it would have to go deeper into like how Merch Motel began. I don't know if that's going too far down the list of questions. but Not at all. Okay, so I have my whole life, like I said, been interested in products, designs, and honestly, architecture was a big part. And I never realized that I was so into it. I always thought, it was like normal to like stuff like that. And then sometimes I would have moments, but am I the only one who like likes this? Toys was another thing and like little knickknacks and stuff. Am I the only one who likes this stuff? Especially like when you're younger. Well, like I guess like middle school, high school, right? And like, I was like, this is so odd, whatever. But I remember I started going to all these fun, funky spots around town. And I would like always take a million photos on my phone, always. To the point where like I would always run out of phone storage. My friend and I would always joke about it because we would always take photos that I would get. I would be like, I don't know what to do. And I would panic, delete photos while I'm there. So I take more photos. And I'm like, why do I take so many photos? What's wrong with me? So like, I even got a digital camera because my phone storage was always out. Take pictures. So I would go to all these spots. And then the more I would go, I started to notice different things. And signs were a big part of it. And I started to realize, okay, wait, this is very cool. Some of the signs that are here have specific designs and shapes. They're all unique. They're all have their own character and charm. And then like you start comparing it to the business right next door that just has a generic plastic printed sign. But like the business right next to it has this incredible elaborate design. Even though the sign is falling apart, it's still way cooler. And so then I fell down this like rabbit hole of like sign design. And I I was like, this is awesome, especially how all these old signs are themed. And then you, I learned more about motels and Back in the day, there's all these fun themed motels. Why is a motel themed after a cowboy? That's so awesome. Just random stuff like that. And then I noticed that the signs were always a big part of it and how signs played into the advertising and marketing. And they were also like, I, I didn't know at first the craftsmanship of neon, which we'll get into, but that neon glow was so amazing to me and nothing else feels like it. Then when you look at theater marquees and old theater signs, they had the most elaborate like signs because it was an experience going to the theater and then even places like liquor stores small bars everyone had these cool funky signs so i was like why is this disappearing why is no one talking about this it just like gradually turned into a a focus on that and then i became really uh fascinated with route 66 and how a lot of these businesses were still there but abandoned but some were also still there um operating this is very interesting to me because another thing that i have always been obsessed with was comparison photos like then and now and like how things have changed and how things are still here so i think it was just like 
I don't know, seeing a piece of the past still around always was super interesting. So I just started documenting that and learning more about that. I think about growing up, we wouldn't travel that much, but whenever we would travel by car, I would always love going through these kind of like semi-ghost towns in California along old highways where there's a gas station that's been abandoned for 20 years or yes. house or a mo- like you said, motels that have been bypassed because of the freeways. And it's very much like the, th- the central theme of the movie Cars. It's very similar mm-hmm. to that, but it's real for a lot of the, the country if you, dr- if you spend the time off the highway to, to go through these different towns. So what did you want to do with Merch Motel when you created it? Because you, you call it as a brand, and I think that's a very accurate definition of it. But what, do you, what, do you, what did you want to do with it? So before I even started Merch Motel, I was already doing this, right? Documenting all this stuff. And I, every, it, it became a point where every time I had any free time, that's all I would do. Go to these old places, take pictures, talk to people about it. That, that's all I was doing, aside from working. I am also, this ties into being a toy designer and a toy collector, but I love knickknacks. I try not to buy anymore because I'm like a hoarder at this point with it. Vintage stuff, cool stuff. And I would, when I became really obsessed with a lot of these places, I also collect vintage stuff. But I'm like, oh my God, it's these vintage places. There's, it's hard to find stuff based off specific places, specific things. And I was like, when I was first documenting it, I was like, why is nobody like talking about this? I'm sure a lot of people were, which I learned there's a whole community of people. But I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. How have we let this disappear in our in our everyday life? So I was like, I like when I go places and I like to take a piece of place home with me in terms of a little souvenir, which a lot of people do. Right. There's a whole industry based off theme park souvenir designs that I worked in. So makes sense. But I was like, I want to be able to create these things that don't exist, especially. I love old motel signs. I want a miniature old motel sign that I could just have with me and wear it or do something with it because it's just such a cool thing. If I can't have it in the real world, let me make a little toy or a souvenir or an item of it. So I had that idea that I wanted to do that. So before I even created the brand of it all, I was like just brainstorming with myself, like, what can I do to get more people to love this and appreciate it and be like involved with it? So yeah, I just came up with the name and I loved old motel signs, obviously. So I think it all worked together. So I would like document and then slowly just release generic motel themed mid-century Los Angeles history theme. Preservation is really important to you because obviously you want to make sure that these, the architecture is, survives, the signs survive. Were you always interested in preservation or was this kind of an evolution of your other interests? Yeah, I think that was like a mixture of both as well. I like this, I guess this isn't, maybe it is preservation, but I guess it's like natural. Some people are into it or aren't, but even when I was young, like I would collect little labels on like toys or items because I thought the graphics were cool and it was things that people would just throw away. And I still have a lot of those like in storage somewhere today. And um, I, when you think about it now, you're like, why did someone save a cocktail napkin from this random bar or something from the 1950s? But thank God I, they did because I could buy that now and scan it and be a part of my collection. And I've always just had that natural instinct where I just want to keep all these things when I was younger that I thought were pretty high cool graphic or something on them. But preservation has always been an interest of mine. I noticed that especially when like people would remodel their homes or businesses would get remodeled. And if they had cool wooden walls and shelvings, I remember like being young and it would change. I was like, why would someone change that? And I was like, maybe it's just me who thinks that way, but that's strange. And when I learned about 
what preservation was, I, I was just like, this needs, everything needs to be protected because all these stuff can't be replicated. They're so cool. I love your example of the napkin because mm-hmm. I went down a deep dive with like 1940s restaurants in Pasadena. I did an episode mm. on Fishers, which is the building still exists as Jin Sushi. You go down that road and be like, I love, I've never used eBay until this year. And yeah. it is very dangerous. Um, yes. <laughs> because, but it's amazing to see if you look up whatever you're looking for, like you can find someone that saved a menu. Why would someone save a menu from 1953? But like yes. you said, thank God they did. Because mm-hmm. I can look up a menu and be like, oh yeah, they were serving this at that time. It's really, it's so eBay has been fascinating from a research perspective, just seeing yeah. like what's out there, even if I can't, and mostly I don't, I can't afford whatever they're selling because it's probably expensive. Yeah. But I started collecting kind of vintage postcards on Pasadena and like you can, that's a couple bucks here and there and it's very cool. But let's dive deep into neon art because we alluded to it earlier and you like the sign for a lot of different reasons. One of which is, is that they're handmade. Mm-hmm. And that they contribute to the neighborhood, the area that they're in. So how did you get into neon signs as opposed to just regular signs? And then in the age of LED signage, what does neon mean now? Neon specifically, I always say a big thank you to the Museum of Neon Art in Glendale. They like taught me and educated me so much on the craftsmanship of neon. I knew about it. I loved it so much. And I didn't really know why and all the behind the scenes that goes into it it is like a monster to create a neon sign like it's so much layers of intricate detail and design and there are people who it's like their whole life they've studied how to make neon tubes called bending when you have the glass over the fire and you fill it up with neon inside and or argon which i learned most neon signs i don't think are neon they're argon (laughs) nerdy talk but so it just made me have a whole layer of appreciation for it with the behind the scenes of it all. Then there is the signs itself. There's nothing that beats that neon glow to me. When you're like outside at night, there's a huge neon sign that's lit up. It has this like specific unique glow and I love the buzzing sound. I love everything about it. Visually, it is the most beautiful thing in the entire world, which is dramatic to say. And then also, there's the layer of the sounds and the overall just you feel like you're like diving into a whole different area. The The tone of the atmosphere also changes. I don't know. It's just very beautiful. And it was starting to become a lost art, it felt. And it has had this huge resurgence. People are appreciating it again and making it again. And a lot of places are preserving it, which is awesome. But compared to LED, LED has become obviously the cheaper route. And a lot of people who are starting a new, like wanting to make a sign, they don't know about the, like a lot of people just assume like LED is the way to go. And people don't even realize that you can maybe make a neon sign. And yeah, neon is more expensive, but some of these signs have lasted for decades and decades. They last for a long time. Um, But neon will stand out. Like even though if you're going to compare it to LED, if you have two signs or storefronts and one is LED and one is this neon sign, neon sign is going to stand out from also not aside from like a design perspective, I would say even from like a, a marketing perspective, like neon is going to be the one that is going to be like, oh, I want to go there. That's also the history of neon signage. They were created to catch your attention. There was no like 
online advertisements and all that. It was all about, it was a billboard essentially. Come to our business. We have this huge neon sign, this cool design, this sweet theme. You want to come to us. So people were fighting to have the best neon sign, which is why we have so many cool ones. So I think that is still so relevant today. And it's like this incredible work of art that is like individually made. So you can see the like handmade details and the personality per sign because it relates to the neighborhood, the business, the like personal interest. It's just so amazing. I don't know. I, I love it. I can talk about it forever. True to your love and appreciation for design. One of the many aspects of what you do is create merchandise. And this includes not only clothing, but pins, stickers, keychains. And you've included many local places, such as the Saga Motel, the Fair Oaks Pharmacy in, in South Pass, and then also Cantor's Deli, Mel's Drive-In, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking about my grandparents used to get magnets, refrigerator magnets from places that they used to go to and travel to. So I remember a, a, a really fond memory of mine is going to my grandparents' house and seeing their refrigerator and seeing all the different magnets that they had on their refrigerator. And it was yeah. just like, it was so cool. I'm like, oh my gosh, you've been to all these different places and they're all super unique and different. So how do you select the items or places that you want to create? That's an interesting question. That's a good question. I, along with designing and what places I go and everything, I do everything in the moment with Merch Motel. Like when I am into something, I'm really into it. So sometimes I'll be like, okay, wait, I'm really obsessed with Culver City randomly today. So like I'll go on a whole Culver City like history tour and post a bunch of stuff. And then, then that's also when I'll reach out to as many like businesses in the area that I can. So um, some stuff are just like generic based on like mid-century era or like art deco or something. And then other times like I'll reach out to the businesses or sometimes the, the businesses reach out to me too. To just be like, sometimes I'm like, I would love to just like showcase your building. Can I please get a tour? Like, I just want to like post about it because it's so beautiful and I want people to appreciate it. Other times I tell them I would love to create products with them because they don't have products. And as a fan of their business, I would love to take a piece home. And I'm sure there's so many people who feel the same way. So it's cool. A lot of times they're into it. Sometimes some people don't get it or don't understand why, which is interesting. Because I'm like you, have, you, because I'm like you have the coolest building. Do you realize? <laughs> but so it's random. It was Fair Oaks Pharmacy. It was really cool because I love that place a lot, and they reached out to me saying they wanted to create a product line, and they're on Route 66, and a lot of people were visiting and re- saying they wanted Fair Oaks Pharmacy merchandise but they didn't really have that many options that said Fair Oaks Pharmacy specifically. So it was fun to create a product line with them. Cantor's Deli, I reached out to them and asked if they would be interested because I love Cantor's Deli a lot. They have incredible signs. Originally, that was a, a theater and a lot of people didn't know that building was home to a theater. That's why the marquee outside is shaped like a theater marquee. So when, and But Cantor's is older than the theater. They like moved there in the 50s. Now I'm going on another tangent, but like even creating the products, I learned so much about the history. That's what I love the most, the, the design and the history of these places and incorporating them with the products. And when the businesses are down to collaborate with that, it's cool. It gets a whole community involved because they can take a piece home and learn something new about the place. So in addition to, I'm sure the Fair Oaks was, was probably a really passionate project of yours because they approached you you love the place anyway is there a favorite place or design that you've come up with similar mm-hmm. to a cu- question before but this is more specific so i would say okay this isn't directly with the business but then i just released like these new hats that i like because they're inspired by all the old motel matchbook graphics because i love those illustrations and it's like a just a merch motel one because it's based off 
like the overall concept of old motel graphics. And I love all the colors and the stylization and the sparkles and stars. I created like a little design on a hat because I don't know, I think that's fun. I, I wanted to make matchbooks, but I didn't. Um, maybe I'll do that later on. Uh, but that one was really fun to make. So just in the last year or so, you've hosted or been involved with some pretty kind of unique events. For example, you had an event at Pasadena Heritage and then one at the Fair Oaks Pharmacy in South Pass, like we were talking about. What has been the response to these events? Those were really fun. The latest one I did was at the Hollywood Bowl Museum with the Los Angeles Philharmonic about the history of the Hollywood Bowl. Those I love to do so much because I just love talking about these places. It's all about just being a fan of these places and talking about its history, architecture. Hopefully people learn something from it. And doing these presentations, I also learn a lot because people will come and they know so much. So they'll tell me some more information about it. And it's really cool. Sometimes it's the local community. Sometimes it's people who don't even know what I do or who I am. And they come based on the partners that I'm collaborating with. And we just have a whole fun day of just talking about design and architecture. And that's pretty much what it is and the history and evolution of these places. It's really fun. So have these events expanded your following? I guess so. Yeah, because I meet people who didn't know about me through these events. So yeah. And then it's cool when people do know about me, like about Merch Motel, but they don't know me personally. So they come and learn about who I am, I guess. And I feel like, you know, when I post online, it's a lot of just like, here's this really cool place and here's some information about this place. Or I'll have videos where I just talk about it. But when I'm like presenting and I'm talking in person, you get to see the person behind the scenes, which I feel like maybe people do enjoy that. And I love meeting people and like talking to people about their stories and things they've experienced and learned living in these areas. And you're not the typical kind of person that appreciates this, if I can be so bold and say that. You're young, but you have a really passion about it. And that really comes through in all your your designs, but also the social media content that you put out. It's really well-researched and produced. Thank you. I was like, that's a lot of, that's another layer of these presentations too, because they want like younger people involved with preservation because younger people in general aren't as involved with like preservation of the buildings in like our cities, right? So being able to go and talk and then bring like my audience and they bring their audience, it creates like a whole new community of people being eager to learn about the importance of these places. It seems like you travel a lot, which is awesome to see. You drove across Illinois along Route 66 and you just got back from Hawaii. And so can you talk about those trips or any other trips that have come to mind? And then before we started recording, you're telling me about you have some trips lined up for New York and other places as well. So can you talk about ones you've done and then what you're looking forward to doing in the future? Yeah, for sure. When I was like working like a full-time job, like nine to five every day, I would always go on like little trips as much as I can. So I would go on like little one night, two two night trips, just to like document all these places because they disappear so fast. That was another thing that would stress me out because a lot of times when a place would close, they'd be like, oh my God, this historic business that's been here for a hundred years is closing in two days and we just found out. So it's like panic and everyone like tries to go to it. But a lot of times when I was working, I couldn't go. So now what I try to do is dedicate some days to travel to all these places that I can to document as much as I can. So Route 66 is one thing that I've always wanted to do. I haven't done the whole road yet. I've done a couple states, a few states. So I went, it starts in Chicago. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fly to Chicago and rent a car and 
drive through all of Illinois Route 66 because I can't, I, I need to see a lot. So I was like, it'll take me like two months to drive through the whole road. So I'm going to just do one state at a time. So I was there for a few days and I tried to see as much as I can in Chicago. There's a lot of cool businesses and signs there. And then I drove through the route to up through all of Illinois to the end of the state. And I learned and saw so much. There was a lot of abandoned places and there was a lot of businesses that were still there that I didn't know about. And I just went, talked to everybody, learned a lot. And it was really sweet. There's like the hot dog place that was that you posted about which was like super unique yes the super dog drive-in in chicago might be the yeah. one you're talking about yeah i think so um, i had been wanting to go there for years and then I, when i planned this trip again i also plan all my trips like last minute too because i'm just like terrible at planning but so i went there i was so happy <laughs> it was the coolest thing they had these giant wiener mascots standing up there and then neon signs everywhere like neon tubes it was so awesome and there were so many like hot dog plate, like hot dog signs in Illinois Route 66. It was funny. There was a giant muffler man holding a huge hot dog. I was like, this is like the hot dog state. <laughs> I had family from Chicago and my, cool. my grandfather was a butcher in Chicago. So yeah, I could vouch for how much Illinois and Chicago like their <laughs> cured meats. That's awesome. <laughs> and I also went to Hawaii and that was cool because they have a lot of sweet apartments and motels slash hotels there a lot of mid-century little designs that are probably often overlooked and really cool tiki bar the la mariana sailing club was amazing they're from like the 1950s and then they were a tsunami destroyed the business in 1960 i believe and then they like reopened in the 70s so that was really cool to see in addition to events and merchandise you also host a podcast called merch motel radio you've talked to guests about your travels to new york and had have had fun guests like nick newsy from milk and cookies and most recently you recorded an episode with author kathy kicker so how does the podcast fit into the brand i think the way it started is people you so People would always tell me they wanted me to make YouTube videos. And I was like, that's like a whole other world to take on. But I ended up doing that too, which we'll probably talk about. So I started with a podcast because I would make short form videos on Instagram and, and TikTok and stuff. So people wanted to just hear more about it. So I was like, I'll do a podcast so it can just like talk, talk and talk. <laughs> and so I did that and people liked it. And it's really awesome to get to interview other creators or artists and business owners and just talk more about what they do i think it's really cool to like just be surrounded with creative people and be talking about these places that we love and appreciate and get more people to learn about it from both sides so that's been really fun so what are your favorite things about podcasting i guess i just like to just talk about stuff i'm pretty spontaneous too so i'll just talk about a topic and i'll go in a million different directions and just go on and on it's similar to presenting i really enjoy presenting because i just like when I'm passionate about a place, I want more people to love it. I become really obsessive over things. So I love to just just get really excited and be like, look at this amazing place. This is why we all should love it. And like, it gets people to like it too. So it's fun. So you mentioned on YouTube and you've released two excellent long form videos, on, one on the Bullock's Pasadena, so really close to home, and then one on the Pan Pacific Auditorium. What is the importance of these two buildings as they're obviously very special to you? Yeah. So I started with Bullock's Pasadena because a lot of people don't know about it, um, which was which is pretty surprising, but I guess it makes sense. It's now a Macy's, um, but it's been preserved thanks to Pasadena Heritage. It is 
so beautiful. I, surprisingly, both of these are mid streamlined modern buildings, even which I love, but I also love Googie. So I'm surprised I, I didn't start with a Googie building, but that place is literally a time capsule. So I was like, I think I'm going to start with this. I didn't know if people would be like interested in it, but they were, which was cool to see. So I was like, I'm going to do a deep dive on Bullock Pasadena. And I went there like multiple times a week taking videos and photos and <laughs> workers kept seeing me like every day there. They're like, hey, do you, do, do you need help with anything? I'm like, oh, I'm just appreciating the building. But it's so cool. Like I was like, I need to start with this, I think, because it's really specific, but I don't know why I want to start with a specific place instead of a more general place that everyone is familiar with because I want to dive deep into it. And I feel it was easier also to just focus and learn about this place, Bullocks Pasadena specifically, because it wasn't Bullocks in general. And I learned a lot while researching it. And it was fun to do comparison photos because so much has been preserved inside and outside. And the Pan Pacific Auditorium is, I can get emotional talking about it. I never experienced it, but it's, it really, for some reason, I'm really drawn to it because I think it was just this it was the representation of Los Angeles. The Pan Pacific was LA. And it's crazy to think about how it was essentially neglected and then burned down, which I feel like was happening a lot in, in Los Angeles and still is. And even during the years that it was like abandoned, it was still so iconic. So I wanted to like represent that and showcase that. And I learned that a lot of people like younger people don't even know what the Pan Pacific Auditorium was. And then older people are like, I remember going there. So it is interesting, this whole wide range of audience who is watching it for different reasons. And it's also recreated at theme parks and people don't know what the facade of this theme park is based off of. So I just wanted to really capture that because it's a very special place and you can still visit the site of it. And a lot of people don't know that it's a park now. So I had forgotten about the connection between the Pan Pacific and Disney's California Adventure. Until I saw your video again, I'm like, oh, that's right. I, I totally forgot about that. And yeah. I don't know if it was converted already by the time I'm 43, but remember when the it was still a Bullocks in Pasadena, and I still remember mm. the fountain on the first floor. And oh, wow. it was so cool. And I don't know if you ever, if that was before your time, but I remember going in. Now it's the shoe department, I think, but you'd walk in, there's this kind of oval. And they had the display cases all over the place. And then they had this fountain in the middle and they always had people making wishes into the fountain. Mm. And it was just so such a neat, surreal kind of experience where you're in this department store and you hear running water mm -hmm. and it's very calm and very soothing. Unfortunately, the fountain is gone, which yeah. it's a travesty why they took that down. But there are parts of the building like the barber shop and the kids department on the upper floors that are still intact, that you can still visit. And they're so beautiful. And they're yeah. highlighted in your videos. Do you plan to make more videos like the Bullocks and the Pan Pacific? It's funny you mentioned that too, because I never experienced Bullocks Pasadena or Pan Pacific Auditorium, but I'm just like so fascinated with both of them. And Bullocks Pasadena is cool because you can visit parts of it. But yeah, I do plan to make a new one. My next one will probably be about the Hollywood Bowl, the history of it, because when I did my presentation, I, I already wanted to make a video on it, but with my presentation, I, I also learned so much. So I was like, I want to do a deep dive on the architecture and evolution of the Hollywood Bowl. They just take a long time to create um, because of all the research I do. And I feel like I'm also like, one time I'm like, I'm going to just focus on podcasts and the video, then the short videos, then the collaborations, then the pop-ups, presentations, products. So it's just like whatever 
I'm in the zone for, I'll do. One of the goals of the podcast, this podcast, I should say, I can differentiate between ours. One yeah. of the goals of this podcast, and it's been an evolution, but is to connect people and to form a community. And I think that's something that you've done really well with Merch Motel. So what community have you found by doing the work that you do? I didn't even know there was a community of like neon sign enthusiasts, right? When I first got into documenting all this. That's one example is like, I met so many people who have such similar interests with me. And then preservationists, and then just creators and artists, and just meeting so many people, business owners, nonprofits, It's again, everything is, they're all different, but everyone I feel like is in the same world. And that's one thing that I love. And there's also the fans of these places and they'll reach out to me. It's cool. I get a lot of messages from people who are like, I visited this place because I didn't even know it existed. And I learned through your video or through your website or your posts. And that's one thing too. I think it's just like the appreciation of these places, meeting people who have this niche interest. Because I have a lot of, right, I I have a lot of friends who are, are, appreciative of these places but it's not as like obsessive as i am about it they have you know which makes sense so it's cool to meet people who have the same specific weird obsession with like neon signs or something so that's been really fun because you can go places together and one more thing i want to say is like what's really incredible is how we could all work as a community to save and preserve these places because there have been times where these places were going to get demolished or signs were going to get removed. And as a community, you can come together and really protect places that were at risk of demolition. So what lessons have you learned over the past several years and what advice would you have to bring people together? I think that's a good question because I think it's important for everyone to hear each other out when you're going somewhere, it's really cool to just listen to what people have to say. An example is I was just taking pictures of these old buildings in in LA and some woman came up to me and she was asking what I was doing. And I was like, oh, I just think these buildings are cool. And she just started talking to me about her life and how she moved here and aspired to be an animator and like the old buildings and places she experienced and saw. And it was just like a random conversation that happened because I was taking a picture of a building that happens pretty often. And I think a lot of times people don't want to listen. A lot of people do. But I think it's just important to take some time to listen to what people have to say because it's really cool to hear these stories and experiences that people had. So if I just said, I'm taking pictures and I walked away, I wouldn't have learned so much and, you know, about this area and just had a new layer of appreciation because everywhere has so many stories to tell. Yeah, it takes two people, right? It takes someone willing to share. What I found through this podcast is that people are so generous with sharing their story. Mm-hmm. And, and so the second part of that is someone to listen, right? By doing what you're doing, you've created a platform for people to listen to these stories. And I think that's very cool. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. When you think about the next year or the next five years, what are your plans for Merch Motel? Surprisingly, I have no plans. <laughs> I never had plans. It just go with the flow always. But ideally, I would love to just have more presentations. I would like to have a pop-up shop that's like a month long or something. That could be really fun. And like, aside from that, it's also like some kind of experience where like people could come and it could be like a whole event and meet cool people who are part of this community. That'd be something I'd love to do. Travel more, see see more old buildings, you know, all of Route 66, but nothing specific. I love that. Not a fun answer. <laughs> yeah. It's a very authentic answer. So I love it. This is my fun closing question, which is if you could design a perfect day in or around Pasadena, 
from breakfast to late night, what would you do? Where would you go? And what would you eat and drink? And I always have to put the caveat then that time is not an issue and location is not an issue, like driving by and that kind of stuff. Go. Okay. I'm going to look at my phone for this. I wrote some notes, but I have a, on my website, I have a little list of cool places I recommend people visit in the cities. Pasadena is one of them. So I had to reference that. So I remember maybe this is what we'll do. It's going to be a day of things that you may not be interested in, but we got to do it. My friend is obsessed with Lucky Boy in Pasadena, the breakfast burrito. She lives like six hours away and she's always, I need Lucky Boy every time she comes. So I feel like maybe we'll start there for breakfast, get a breakfast burrito from Lucky Boy. Now we're going to check out New York. In that area is like Route 66 stuff. Check out Howland Rays because they have a vintage neon sign outside from Ador Milk Farms from the 1930s, I believe, that they restored. We're looking at that. Then why not right next there, there's like a Trader Joe's. It's like the first Trader Joe's, which is like a fun fact. Check out those areas. Drive by the old mansions like Wrigley's Mansion, the Gamble House. Walk around the Gamble House. Check out the outside of Castle Green. And if you're there, walk around Old Town. Incredible old buildings and vintage signs all around. Check out the Colorado Bridge. Then for lunch, maybe we can go to Connell's. Get a sandwich there because they have a vintage sign. They're from the 1950s. Then after that, we're going to go on Colorado Boulevard and look at all the old motels. The Astro Motel, La Casa Inn, Posada Motel, Highway Host, the Saga Motel, and then the Playhouse Village neighborhood. They have a cool former theater, the United Artists Theater. The optometry sign that's from the, the building is from the 1930s, I believe. And then Roman's Bookstore, they sell some merch motel products in there. So we can go check those out. And then... Bullock's Pasadena, the form Mace, now Macy's. It's funny because I literally did this. My friend was visiting from out of town and I, this is pretty much the itinerary we had. And then we'll get dinner at Pine Burger, which is right by Bullock's Pasadena. And then we're going to get a second dinner at In-N-Out because this is the oldest operating In-N-Out and they have an amazing 1950s sign and the building is from the 50s. And if you want dessert, we can go to After's Ice Cream because... It's a gas station. It was originally a gas station. They have old gas pumps and the building is all original. And we'll end it off with City Hall late at night because it's lit up and I love to just walk through it. That's my Pasadena day. And I literally do this all the time already. So I can never get sick of it. (laughs) I love it. I'm going to have to make notes and put that on the website. Where would you go in Pasadena? I'm curious. That's a good question. Food and sites. And, and no one's asked me. I always joke with guests that they don't have an answer for this question, even though I provide it in advance. And I write mm-hmm. this question and I don't have an answer for it. So that's only fair. It was funny. I did a, I'm very new to how Instagram works. And so I did a reel mm-hmm. recently and I just walked around City Hall. And it's amazing how accessible it is. It's all open yeah. air. Yeah. And it's so pretty. It's so pretty from every angle. But the city is more than the city hall. Passing is such a unique city because it's, it's 148,000 people, which is pretty small. But it does have an international presence. And make that, mm-hmm. that makes it very different than most other small cities. I like your idea of grabbing a burger at Pie and Burger. I'm on South Lake quite a bit. But South Lake has changed recently mm-hmm. in the past 10 years. So it's a lot different than yeah. it was when I was kind of when I first arrived back here, I don't really have a good answer. Isn't that sad? But it's hard. It is yeah. hard. Yeah. You stumped me and I'm the one that writes the questions. You got to update this with an answer later on so we know. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a post yeah. a post yeah. 
entry into the podcast with my list. For sure. I want to add one more thing. You got yes, to check please. out the original whistles. Uh, you have to check out the original whistle stop. They have a cool sign too. <laughs> I think what I love about Pasadena is there are so many different neighborhoods. You have that yes. stretch of like whistle stop, which is East Colorado, which is very different than old Pasadena for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really know what it wants to be yet. And I'm curious to see what it becomes as it evolves. You have the further East Pasadena. You have the Hastings Ranch area. You have yes. the old million, Millionaire's Row of Orange Grove. You have Northeast Pasadena, Fair Oaks, which is like, but it's a neighborhood that it's very rich in history, but it's been really hurt by a lot of different economic and, and transportation decisions that were made. I was interviewed on a podcast and I one of the, my favorite places is uh, Pepper Street, which I don't know if Pepper Street mm-hmm. was the street that the Robinson family lived on. The house no longer exists. They tore it down and replaced it. But the neighborhood, there are parts of it that are very similar to what it was. And I think of all the s- streets in the city, I think that's probably one of the most important because it's had such an impact on the country between Jackie Robinson and his older brother, Mac. And so that's something that I would recommend anyone go to because just yeah. a drive through or walk through would even be better. Just so you have an appreciation of kind of what people's lives were and the significance of what all they've done. So that'd be something I'd add, but I, I'll put together a fuller list and, cool. I'll, and I'll add it <laughs> postscript. Sweet. Yeah. The neighborhoods are amazing. Like the bungalow heaven area too. And all the homes here. Oh my God. And I love that they're like strict with preservation. So it's awesome. It, it is. As we wrap up this conversation, I want to say thank you for creating Merch Motel out of your passion for science and architecture and design for sharing such engaging and unique stories with your audience and for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for enjoying what I do and for inviting me. This was really fun to talk about. I don't think I've ever been interviewed before like this. So this was cool. My first time. I loved it. It's a role reversal. It's weird when you do it. It's weird, but no, thank you very much for coming on. And it's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much. You too. I'll probably see you around Pasadena someday. My many thanks to Barkev for coming on the show. For more information, please visit MerchMotel.com and follow Barkev on social media for the latest news and information about all his fantastic projects. Continuing our collaboration, the featured song is All Right Here by the Pasadena-based wife and husband duo The Next Doors. All Right Here is from Mika and Russell's debut album, Linda Vista. Please follow them on social media and at nextdoorsmusic.com for their next live shows. I want to thank my Patreon sponsors. I really appreciate your continued support. Second to my wife for being so patient and understanding, even though she will never hear this. And to all that listen, thank you. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show, or supporting it through direct underwriting or Patreon. This is the only podcast that has never been supported by Purple Mattress, Nectar Mattress, Athletic Greens, or HelloFresh. I love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at thecrowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram. Until next time, please remember to stay well, take a road trip, and as always, see you around town.
Do you like podcasts? No. No. Okay, Dad? Cut. Why don't you? They're weird. Okay, well, let's start over. Start over. Okay. Do you like podcasts? No. Why don't you like podcasts? Because they are boring.